Hey guys, welcome back and welcome to episode three of Badass Women from Art History. I just said bard, not bad. Badass Women from Art History. Um, this episode is going to have us looking more closely at the Renaissance era, um, which was like a, a major turning point in the art history timeline. Um, so sort of to sum it up, the Renaissance era is the first period in Western history in which a number of secular, which is non-religious, female artists gained international reputations. So as we kind of talked about and touched on in previous episodes, female artists were kind of centralized around religious art, which is due to access. Same with education. Women were only really able to access that either through commitment to religion or, you know, if they were married and that husband sort of allowed it, you know, to put it in layman terms. The rise in women artists during this period can be attributed to sort of these major cultural shifts, and one such shift came from the Counter-Reformation, which was a period that saw the rise of Catholicism again, and this was sort of a reaction to the rise in Protestantism. Um, this, this, this period of shift also gave rise to a movement toward humanism, which is the philosophy of humans, basically, in affirming the dignity of all people. And this became a central element to Renaissance thinking and helped raise the status of women. In addition, the identity of individual artists, which we touch on a bit later, in general was regarded as more important. So artists kind of became seen as artists as opposed to craftsmen. Boccaccio, who was a 14th century humanist, uh, wrote the book in Latin, uh, translating this into English, it was titled roughly On Famous Women. And it was a collection of biographies of women. And among those 104 biographies, he included that of Thamar or Thamaris. Uh, I probably butchered that, but she was an ancient Greek vase painter. Moving on from that, Christine de Pizan, I butchered that one again. <laughs> oh my gosh, please forgive me. It's been a while. Uh, she was a remarkable late medieval French writer, rhetorician, and critic, and wrote the Book of the City of Ladies, which was a text about an allegorical city in which independent women lived free from the slander of men. Sounds like an ideal utopia. Uh, let's strive for that. Meet you girls there. In her work, she kind of included real women artists, such as Anastasia, who was considered one of the best Parisian illuminators, although none of her work survived. Other humanist texts led to you know, this increased education for Italian women, and the most notable of this was The Courtier by a 16th century Italian humanist, Baldassare Castiglione. There we go, got it. This enormous popular work stated that men and women should be educated in social arts, and this was sort of the catalyst for this changing, further changing shift in the way women were perceived within society. His influence made it acceptable for women to engage in the visual, musical, and literary arts. So isn't it funny that a man's sort of acceptance of this perpetuated this further acceptance in the, in the wider public, you know, says everything. Furthermore, artists who were not noble women were affected by the rise in humanism as well, which is a good thing. And along with this rise in humanism, there was a shift from craftsmen to artists, as I mentioned earlier. Artists, unlike early craftsmen, you know, were now expected to have knowledge of perspective, mathematics, ancient art, and the study of the human body. So the focus became on art as its own craft, as opposed to art as a craft to create things that file into other aspects of social life. So in the late Renaissance, the training of artists began to move from the master workshop to the academy. It was no longer 
you know, a workshop activity, although we do have studios which sort of work as a workshop within the arts, but it moved to an academy trained thing. Um, and then women began this long struggle, which wasn't resolved until the 19th century, to gain full access to this training. So a, a moderated sort of curriculum was, was created for women, which left out a lot of the really important and vital aspects of, of becoming an artist, because it was seen and deemed that women shouldn't partake in that for whatever, you know, socially constructed reason. You know, study of the human body required working with male nudes and corpses, and this was considered essential background for creating realistic group scenes. Women were generally barred from that kind of training, from, from working with male nudes, and therefore they were precluded from compositions which received the most prestigious commitments. Although many aristocratic women had access to some training in art, though without the benefit of figure drawing from nude male models, most of those women chose marriage over a career in art which is a sad trend, which kind of perpetuated across all sort of career paths well into the 1960s, 70s, until we saw that major cultural shift. And, you know, it's an ongoing struggle now. We're still socialised into this belief that we fit a certain role as women that men don't have... Oh, well, they have their own version of that role. It's not quite the same. But, you know, the patriarchy perpetuates these these socialised roles and concepts for us as individuals and as humans and as men and women... And, I mean, this is an ongoing battle. I feel like this is a battle of, of human nature and humanity and, 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 and sociology, and it's going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of our lives. But we've made major leaps and bounds, but as you can see, during the Renaissance period, we saw this major cultural shift. So that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. Um, that's the Renaissance in a nutshell. If you want to learn more, I'll chuck some things down in the notes for you to have a read about. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.